1% of what you're actually doing is about half your results. And if you really think of it and you get real picky about it, that typically holds true. Like if I go to the gym, it's not the warm-up that's making me stronger. It's the hardest sets, and it's the hardest part of those hardest sets that are really driving the results. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by Barbend.com. Today I'm talking to weightlifter, crossfitter, pro strongman, financial advisor, and coach Graciano Rubio, best known online as the Wall Street weightlifter. He's also the owner of CrossFit Valley View. In today's episode, we discuss his strength background and why you should treat training like an investment portfolio, especially when it comes to something called stop loss. Along the way, I also get on a high horse about competing. You'll just have to listen to find out more. Now let's get on to the show. Really appreciate you joining us. You are perhaps better known online as the Wall Street weightlifter. You got to explain that name. Where did that come from? Uh, started out, I took a job at Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor out of college. So at the time, I just needed something catchy uh, as a better way to broadcast that. So I was sitting in the office one day and I thought, I forgot what we were doing, but I thought, man, I got I to gotta change it to something. So... I mean, almost the common one that you see is people will put like two words together where it's like, it's, it's, I'm just a popular one, donuts and deadlifts. They all follow some type of uh, format like that. So I said, I got to come up with something better than just using my name. But man, I got the perfect one. It's going to be Wall Street weightlifter. Amazing. I had, okay. a, I had a handful of them. So do you still work in finance? Is, is that, is that still accurate today? Yeah, I own an RIA now. So I left, started my own company. Um, I'm a, I own a registered investment advisor. Um, so I do that as well. Okay. And you're also a weightlifter. Correct. All right. So give us a background. Okay. So we know a little bit about, just a little bit about your finance background. We can get into that more. So that's the Wall Street part. Let's talk about the weightlifting part. Tell us about your background in, in strength sports. You know, I started out like most people. Uh, I just started lifting weights to get stronger for football. Um, and then... Once I started doing that, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed, I probably say I enjoyed lifting weights more than I liked uh, playing football. So I continued that. Once I got done playing football, I always wanted to be involved in strongman. So once I got done with that, I kind of, I wouldn't say mold around for a little bit. It's a difficult sport to start uh, when you don't have other people around you that do it. So, you know, I was, you know, lifting weights for a while and then ran into a guy in college that had competed in strongman and that's where it started. So I started in strongman and did that for three years or so, um, became a pro strongman. And then at that point decided, well, I'm still young and flexible and fast. I should give weightlifting a try because it's, it's a fun sport. It's enjoyable, but I want to do it before I get too old and I can't, uh, you know, do all the positions of it before I returned back to strongman. Okay. So tell us a bit about your weightlifting career. How long have you been competing? You know, what are, we, we most know you for, we came across you on Instagram and uh, I believe it was when you were first 
put on our, to our radar by doing Isabel at like 300 pounds or something like that, challenging Dave Castro or, or, or commenting on him. And, and he highlighted you doing Isabel at, was it 300, 330 pounds, something like that? It was 330. Okay. So 30 snatches for time at 330 pounds. We've never seen anything quite like that before. Um, but do you, do you compete in weightlifting or are you just training weightlifting? No, I don't, at a I don't do gym? any com- competitions. You don't, you don't compete? No. Why not? I just never, so I started weightlifting. I started weightlifting just kind of as a challenge. Like it's a new sport to learn. So coming out of strongman where you're doing stuff that's, that's real heavy all the time. It was a way to still hit big lifts and still challenge yourself, but not, not have that rundown feeling all the time of like heavy yoke, some of the harder movements that you're beat up for days afterwards. So I view weightlifting kind of like I view golf. You know, it's obviously very, it's, it's very demanding in the technical aspect. And that's part of the, the thrill of it. So it took me a long time to move from, you know, doing strongman to being like halfway competent at the lifts. And then I just um, never wanted to give it the full effort that I think it uh, commands to be able to compete. Okay. Well, what are your, what are your PR lifts, training lifts? Since you haven't competed, everything's a training lift. And what's your body weight? Because if you're looking, I mean, I would encourage you to compete. That's one of my goals now is to encourage you to compete. I'm a little biased because we're the official media partner of USA Weightlifting. So I'm at a lot of weightlifting competitions doing commentary. But I mean, what is your body weight? What are your, what are your training lifts? And we can extrapolate that to see if you'd be competitive on the national stage. My guess is the answer is yes. Oh, my best snatch is 375. And then my best clean and jerks 425. Uh, right now, I'm about 250. Okay. So to put this in, let's put this in weightlifting, in weightlifting terms. You're, you're, you're a super heavyweight in weightlifting terms. You're above 109 kilos. But you could probably cut down to about 109 kilos if you needed to. You could probably get under 109. Yeah, I'm used to 105 for strongman. Okay. Yeah, so you could, I mean, these are lifts that we'd be competitive on, on the national stage. In weightlifting, I, th- after this, after this recording, I'm going to follow up. We're going to get you at a comp. We're going to get you at a competition. I'll, I'll personally, I'll personally sponsor you because, uh, I mean, those are some big boy lifts. You could, you could, you could do some damage at nationals in the 109s or the 102s. I, I've been mulling it over. I've been, uh, I've been on the fence about it. It's, it's also more accessible because of the American Open series. There are more events that allow you to get some experience on the stage with the rhythm of competition leading up to larger national meets. USA Wilton's done a really good job at that. So, okay. My apologies. I, uh, I didn't do my research. I didn't realize you were just a non-competitive, really strong guy. That's, that's interesting to, uh, interesting to hear. Well, do you coach yourself uh, or do you have a coach? Do you work with a coach? No, I coach myself. So everything I do is self-taught. Oh man, I, I know there are some weightlifting coaches out there that are going to listen to this podcast. They're going to hear these numbers. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. 30. They're going to hear these numbers. They're going to be like, this is still a pretty young guy. They're going to be reaching out to you and they're going to want to, they're going to want to mold you. They're going to want to, going to, want to squeeze, squeeze that extra potential out of you. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Even I'm like, my mind's racing. I'm like this guy, we got, we can get this guy snatching 400 pounds here at some point. Um, okay. Appreciate that background. One thing that I want to come back to, Isabel at 330 pounds. 
It's what put you on a lot of people's radar. I'm sure your social media following grew like lightning after Dave Castro posted that. How did you get that sicko idea in your mind to do Isabel at that sort of weight? You know what? It kind of started during, uh, during quarantine. So my wife and I own a gym and then it started being with everything going on. Cause we're in California. So with having to, with everything that we had to do to, to stay running, it was just on a time crunch. So it wasn't, it, you know, I obviously don't have more time in the day. So it was just, I got to, I got to get more weightlifting done in less time. So a lot of my workouts would be, you know, I get to a certain weight. Um, and you're getting to the end of your day. Like you've been dealing with different stuff all day. So I'll put weight on the bar. I'm going to do one every minute for as long as I can. So it kind of started off, um, you know, because I did that workout, you know, quite some time after quarantine had started. So they started out and then I've randomly thought, you know, let me do another, let me do another heavy Isabel. And it kind of progressed just out of more of necessity. Like, Hey, I only got this much time to lift. So let's warm up, get there, get this workout done and move on. Then I did one at three thirty. That was the heaviest one I had done. And I think Dave Castro came into our gym because we're by some uh, duck hunting fields. Okay. And Dave Castro, he loves, he loves hunting. So he dropped in because we're next to some popular, some hunting grounds for duck. So he dropped in. We talked for a little bit and this is like around Christmas time. So most of the gyms are closed and we're the only one around us anyways. So he swung by and he checked out my Instagram from like a couple of days earlier and saw that I had done it at three 30. So he put out the challenge. If anyone could do it in 20 minutes. And I think my previous one was like 28 minutes. Okay. But when they put the challenge out, they didn't realize that that was 28 minutes after a weekend of heavy drinking. So I did that first one and I, and it was one of those, it was one of those days where you're like, you know what? You're not really expecting anything out of the day, but everything just kept going really well. So all the, all the weight felt light moving well. And then that's what it, that workout just turned into. So he put the challenge out for someone to do it in 20 minutes. And I said, well, under better conditions, I can get 20 minutes. So then I kind of, I don't know, once a month or so would do something to kind of move myself closer to it. And then I eventually got it down under 20 minutes. What was your final time? I think it was 1958. Right, right there on the cusp. Yeah, I had, a, I had my strategy in line. So I, I said, I don't care about going any quicker. I just got to get this under 20. Did you have any failed reps along the way? No, the 30 straight makes. 30 straight makes at a pretty high percentage of your max, actually, I should say. Yeah, it's up there. Okay. So that, that's certainly something that got our attention and got the, the CrossFit and weightlifting community's attention. Have you done a heavy grace? Have you tried it with clean and jerks? I did 300. It was under 10 minutes. It was nine something, but I haven't gone real heavy on it. Okay. So you haven't competed in weightlifting, but we'll talk more on that. But I'll, before, say you were to, let's assume maybe you, you were to do that. Maybe I'm able to convince you. I, I don't know. You seem like a pretty, you, you, you seem like someone who, who will march the beat of their own drum though. What other strength feats 
might you want to do or might you want to accomplish kind of outside of the norm, like a heavy Isabel, like a heavy Grace, maybe something you have your eyes set on? The next one I put up was 500 for 25 back squat. Unbroken. Unbroken. Okay. What is your, what is your current rep PR with 500? 500. I've done 10. Okay. I've done 10, but I, I could have done more. Uh, that was quite a while ago. So that's probably, man, that's probably like eight years ago or so, seven, eight years ago. Um, and I, I got that idea because I'd seen Tom Platt. Oh, yeah. It, you know, decades ago. He did the 500-pound squat for reps. That's, all, that's been in the back of my mind for you know, since I started lifting weight. Like, that's such a crazy... What did he end up getting? Was it 20, 20 reps? 23. 23, okay. I think it's 23. That's been in the back of my mind, like, since I first started lifting weights and heard about it. I thought, that's the craziest thing. Like, that's such a crazy feat because just the, everything involved in being able to do that. So I've always wanted to do it. But I just started, I mean, maybe a month ago, I started working on it and thought, I'm going to get back and I'm going to, I want to hit that, hit that, um, before I'm done lifting to be able to say, like, I was able to match, you know, something that Tom Platts did. Well, what is your all time max one rep max in the back squat? Not that there's necessarily like a lot of folks can do a much higher percentage of their max for many reps than others, but just for context, Mm -hmm. what is your max back squat? The heaviest I've gone is I've done 606 for three. Okay. And I haven't squatted over that weight. 25 reps at 500. I mean, honestly, if anyone listening to this, if, if you've never done a 20 rep back squat set, I mean, it's an out of body experience at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Adding five onto that, that's, that's a whole different ball game. I mean, you basically feel like you can jump out of the gym if you can accomplish that. Well, it's going to take you a while to, to come back to earth <laughs> once you finish it. So once you wake up what, after that, after you pass out, well, what is your normal training week? Like, so it sounds like uh, you're not competing in weightlifting. You're not competing in strongman right now. You own a CrossFit gym. Uh, you work in finance. What does a week of training look like for you? Uh, I would say a week is, uh, I try to do, six days a week for probably about an hour. Okay. Most workouts are right around the hour mark and they'll alternate between mostly between snatch and clean and jerk. So it's mostly, you know, ideally it's probably two snatch days, two clean and jerk days. Um, both of those days will have some type of accessory lift to it. And then two days of cardio. Okay. So are you doing any like traditional Metcons or is that cardio going to be more monostructural? No, I'll do Metcons. Okay. I'll just, I'll make a metcon just simply out of out of whatever the accessory work I want to do is. Mm. So I have a I have a handful of them that are pretty basic. Like one is um, I do a lot of um, couplets and triplets, and I've done those forever. But when I first started doing them, what's interesting about CrossFit is a lot of people don't realize that CrossFit just takes everything that's been around for a hundred years and gives it a new name. So I've been doing that since I very first started lifting but they used to be called supersets or they used to be called a circuit so a lot of those metcons are more they're more geared for strength than they are just the conditioning portion and a lot of them are using opposing movements so for instance it'll be like shoulder press and pull-ups or it'll be some type of combination like that where the the density of work is higher 
but you're not really fatiguing one muscle group. Yeah, shoulder press and and pull-ups. That's starting to sound a little bit like Fran right there as far as uh, CrossFit just putting a new name <laughs> on something. What are some other examples of you know conditioning? Maybe the old is new again conditioning uh, workouts that you might might work on. So there's there's that one. There's bench and uh, bent row. I think as a as a high schooler, that was my favorite one because everyone everyone in high school loves to bench. So that was like that was you know once I do like a heavy bench, you know you you drop the weight, you add more volume in. That would be like my go to thing. You just bench and bent row. You get more done in less time, but they're two opposing groups. So that, that way you're not, you're not too tired to do either one, but it's a lot of simple stuff like that. It's not, uh, most of those aren't really high skilled. They're basic things that you can maintain uh, kind of a high output with proper technique. You've mentioned before on social about putting together or programming for yourself. It's a bit like managing a stock portfolio. That's something you do in your in your day Correct. job. Tell us more about that approach. So if we're looking like this, like how can the investing mindset impact how we're either programming for ourselves, for others, or just approaching strength and fitness? So I just I just started throwing out a couple a couple concepts like that. Because a lot of these ideas, you know, related to strength training, when we move into other fields, they're very common ways of thinking. And so I use, you know, the idea of a, of a stop loss, which in trading is, you know, let's say you purchase a stock at $100, you might have a stop loss set at 92. So it's a way to be disciplined of saying if this, if the market is going the opposite way of what I think, you know, I'm just going to cut my losses and move on. I'm not going to get trapped into this thing because maybe there's something that uh, I don't know. Well, I use that in terms of injuries and kind of allowing yourself to be flexible with your training. So if I come into the gym, I have a certain thing planned that I want to get done. And based on everything else, I should be able to do it. Like, I, you know, if I slept well and I ate well, I did everything well, I should be able to do that. But a lot of times, especially as you get a little older, you know, those, are, those injuries or those little tweaks from previous kind of build up and you don't notice them at the time because you're full of adrenaline. So in the gym, you know, the previous day, you might get, you might have a small strain that you don't really notice and it's not a big deal. The next day it hurts. Like once you cool down, once you start moving again, it hurts. So it was related to, you know, the idea of good pain and bad pain. If I'm sore, I move a little bit, I feel great. No, I'm going to proceed with the session. If I, if I'm going through it, all of a sudden, like something doesn't quite feel right. Like that knee pain is something else. Like that's not really, you know, that's not really uh, something I should be working through. Then rather than press on with the workout, that might be a day I just do like a 5K row and get out of there. You know, do something productive, stay moving, stay active. I can take that loss for that day. And the way I think of it is so I lose one day of progress. But if that keeps me from getting injured, I'm preventing myself from losing a month of progress down the road because I get hurt. So that was the whole point. I'll give up a day here if that means I avoid that time that I get injured and I lose a month. Because if you, if you get injured less frequently and you spend less time going backwards, then you're going to be further off. You're going to be better off you know, years from now. If you're looking at the, the year or two or five or 10 year mark, 
all those periods of time that you were able to be productive is going to add up and it's going to make, make up for the one or two days you take off because something, you know, doesn't quite feel right. So it sounds like you're using the principle of compounding gains, but gains in the gym here. Correct. It's this exact same, it's the exact same idea. You know, a lot of times we get, we get real focused on progression without realizing that even really, really small progression, if you're never going backwards, adds up to huge gains down the road. And especially as you get stronger, you spend less, less time out of the year in that state that you're really strong because you kind of get mentally burned out. You get physically burned out. You get hurt. So there's a lot of times where you're like, this month, I'm just not going to train that hard. And you go backwards a little bit, and that's fine. But I try to make it so there's not a period of time that I'm going backwards. So before I get to that point of like always pushing forward, always pressing on, like what do I need to do so that I can show up next session and do productive work? And that might mean, hey, I'm not, you know, my head's not in it today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little cardio, get out of here. So that when it's time to really hammer down and, and do those hard sessions that get you better, I'm 100%. And I'm not taking those chances of getting hurt and, and moving backwards as a result. What are some other, if there are other, principles from your, your day job, from your experience investing and working in finance that you think have lessons for training and strength progression? Well, I've, been, I've posted a little bit about the uh, 50 to 1 method. So this, this, is a, this is a concept that was popularized by uh, Nassim Taleb. He wrote, he wrote some popular books that are a bit misquoted. Um, he wrote Black Swan, Anti-Fragile. Uh, you'll see a lot of that type of stuff online. But he introduced this idea of the 50 to 1 principle, which is really a play of the 80-20 rule. So you'll see pretty commonly called the Pareto principle, where it's the 80-20 rule. But he brings up, if you take the logical conclusion of that, and that 20% you're, you're talking about, if you apply the 80-20 rule to that, you're left with the 64-4 rule. Meaning, if you believe 20% of your efforts are 80% of your results, like, well, it would logically deduce that you would have 4% of your results would be 64% or 4% of your effort would be 64% of your results. If you apply the principle again, you're left with the 50 to one rule, which I think is a little easier to understand. So 1% of what you're actually doing is about half your results. And if you really think of it and you get real picky about it, that typically holds true. Like if I go to the gym, it's not the warm-up that's making me stronger. It's not on my warm-up sets. It's not all this other set stuff. It's the hardest sets, and it's the hardest part of those hardest sets that are really driving the results. This is, you know, this is something that's been, that's been brought up by champions of different fields forever. Muhammad Ali used to say that, you know, I don't count the reps until they hurt. Arnold, I know, discussed um, you know, the way that he built his biceps. You know, if he does a set of 12, it's that set 10 or rep number 10, 11, 12, the ones that hurt, the ones that you struggle the most that are responsible for that growth. And so I take that 50 to 1 principle to make sure that I had balance between the real hard work that you need to do to get better and all the other stuff that supports it. So when I walk into the gym, 
My warm-up is designed to help me perform my best. The warm-up is not there as if the harder I warm up, the better it is. So it's the quality of the warm-up. I want to be able to get warmed up and moving for what the, the important work that I'm going to do. Same thing if I do skill work. That skill should be addressing a specific weakness that I have or a specific problem. But doing skill work on something I'm already good at and that's not really holding me back isn't that beneficial. So I, I view it as make sure I don't become a volume warrior where I'm just doing tons and tons of reps and just beating myself up. Because if you want to get stronger, you have to add weight to the bar. Then on the flip side, if you're coming in and you're just going right to your heaviest set and then you hit something big and you, and you roll out of there, you're missing a lot of the other stuff that you could be doing that's going to support you doing more of that high-quality work in the future. So I apply that principle to make sure that my training is balanced in that way. Like, yes, I'm going to go in. I'm going to add weight. I'm going to do something harder than I've ever done. At the same time, I need to make sure that I'm doing all the other stuff that supports that and not making sure there's an imbalance between the two. So I'm not spending, you know, if, if you have an hour workout, I'm not going to spend, you know, 30 minutes of warming up, five minutes of really working out, and 25 minutes of kind of stretching and BSing and, and hanging out with everybody. I'm going to make sure that, that there's that balance in there. Understood. Understood. I think those are some wise words. Uh, that can go both ways. I think training can have influence and lessons for what we might do outside the gym and vice versa. So I, I really appreciate you taking some of those business dynamics and principles that we might have heard about and might be a little desensitized to, honestly, because we've all heard them a bunch, and applying it to something a little bit more concrete in the gym, uh, in, into our physical training. It kind of makes it seem fresh and new, or at least gives it that, that fresh perspective again. So I appreciate that. Where's the best place for people to follow along with the work you do, uh, your training? And if you do decide to compete, whether it be in weightlifting or in the future in, in Strongman, where would be the best place for people to follow along with that? Uh, Instagram. I put all my stuff up on uh, my Instagram page, Wall Street Weightlifter. I haven't really branched out into the other social media channels. Instagram is Instagram to me is, I think it's the most positive. It's the home for strength sports for a lot of folks, so I certainly understand that. Yeah, it's, there's less uh, there's less mudslinging. <laughs> oh, there's still some mudslinging. There's still some. I can guarantee you that. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us to chat a little bit about your approach, which some might find unconventional, but at the same time makes a lot of sense. And I think it's just a, in, from, in many ways a reframing of some solid principles that we try and apply in other aspects of our life. So I appreciate you giving some fresh perspective on how that can apply impact our training so appreciate it and uh talk to you soon all right thank you